Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Father, our Lord and our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grape vine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Lovely. Thank you, Tara. Thanks, Words. We use them every day. Words are small things, but they hold incredible power. Words can help, heal, and build up. Words can equally hinder, wound, and destroy. Consider these words of Jesus from Luke 6:45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Our words reveal what is in our hearts. That's profound. (laughs) Today in James 3, 1 to 12, we are considering the very important but often overlooked discipline of taming the tongue. The tongue is a very small instrument and yet it has the ability to inspire life and energy in others as well as cause tremendous damage. Your tongue, the words you speak, will reflect your true character. 
In other words, your words reveal the real you. (laughs) How we speak to others is like a barometer on our whole life. (laughs) You can tell so much about a person by their words. As we do each time we come to God's Word, let's just break the passage down and dig in a little deeper. Before James launches into the main topic of this chapter, the destructive potential of human speech, James begins by discouraging his readers from the pursuit of becoming teachers. Teachers are, after all, in the word business. And I know that only too well. So much of my time is given to preparing and crafting words. And this warning stands true today, but perhaps increasingly so in James's time for a couple of reasons. Teachers in early Christianity performed a critical role to the survival of the church. During this time, there were very low levels of literacy. Only 10 to 15% of people could read or write. And so teachers were entrusted with this incredible um, responsibility of memorizing and passing on the traditions that Jesus had taught and laid down to his apostles. Hence the warning. In the early church, a teacher held considerable privilege. They were one of, after all, the 10 to 15% that were literate. They were educated, and therefore they held positions of prestige, of status, of privilege. And there's always a danger, isn't there? There is always a danger that accompanies prestige and privilege and responsibility. And James is particularly concerned about those who have been tasked with the responsibility of teaching God's Word that their motives may be out of check, they may be out of balance. And even though we live in a very different time where people have immediate access to what was once only mediated through a teacher, leaders and teachers in the church today, because of their position, will still be held to a higher account and therefore need to be clear in their calling, ensuring that their motive is pure whilst maintaining a disciplined, constant posture of humility before the Lord. And I certainly feel the weight of responsibility and privilege in my role. And it is my great privilege. But I ask you to please pray for me, to please pray that my motive remains pure, and that I continue to maintain a a posture of humility before the Lord and continue to seek His will above all else. 
In verse 2, James employs the use of the word we, placing himself as one who teaches and as one who will be judged more strictly. I find his words, we all stumble in many ways, both reassuring and realistic. (laughs) Of course, no one is able to completely keep everything they say in check, but the fruit of a mature believer is displayed in their speech. The way someone speaks is a window into their hearts and to their lives. According to James, if you can control your speech, control your tongue, then you can in fact control all the other areas of your life. And how many areas of our lives need controlling? So many. So it's real wisdom. Our speech, what we say, kind of impacts and flows because it's what comes from the heart. And this is my personal observation. You know, it's not just, it's written in the text, so I absolutely believe it. But in my experience, this is, this is exactly the case. If I think of mature believers, the elders of this church, and I mean there are, there are, we have four elders who've been elected and nominated because we've, we've recognized their gifts, um, but there are plenty of elder-type figures in this church. Um, and I can think of several churches I've been a part of and I just, I think of a person's name and I think, wow. And I think about their speech and I'm like, yeah, the way that person speaks. It's calm, it's considered, it's thought, they've, they've tamed their tongue. <laughs> and there's a maturity that, that, that is displayed through one who can tame their tongue. Believers who exercise careful control of the tongue are able to direct their lives in a way that is pleasing to God. Moving along, in verses 3 to 6, Pastor James now draws on some very common illustrations to make his very poignant point. The tongue, while small in size, punches well above its weight in terms of the impact it can have on a person's spiritual condition. He compares the tongue to the bit that controls a horse, the rudder that steers a ship, and a spark that causes a forest fire. All three of these pictures essentially make the the same point. Small things can direct large things. Unlike the bit and rudder, which are more about direction, a spark which sets off a huge fire causes untold destruction, which James explores further in verse 6, referring to the potential evil associated with an unchecked tongue. Of all the parts of the body, the tongue is the most difficult to control, we're told. So much damage has been caused universally, through a mismanaged, undisciplined tongue. We see it in the news all the time. 
but we see it in our own lives all the time. You know, once words are spoken, they're out there. You can't take them back. How many of you wish that you had a rewind button? But with maturity comes discipline and the ability to thoughtfully consider what we say. Jesus made similar claims about the tongue. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of a person's mouth is what defiles them. He goes on to say, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Unlike the bit and rudder, which the tongue can be likened to, the unchecked tongue, says James, is a fire, a world of evil that corrupts the whole body. This is such strong language. According to James, the power of Satan himself, the chief resident of hell, gives to the tongue its great destructive power. In what ways can the tongue be so ferociously destructive? Well, I guess it's things like gossip, insult, bragging, manipulation, false teaching, exaggeration, complaining and lying, just to name a few. Because of how unruly the tongue is, James stresses in verses 7 to 8 just how difficult bringing the tongue under control is. Taming reptiles is easier than taming the tongue. Has anybody in this room had any experience with taming a reptile? (laughs) I certainly haven't. I mean, taming a dog's hard enough, let alone a reptile. Mankind can tame wildlife. (laughs) But taming the tongue, well, that's another story altogether. I'm grateful, so grateful, that learning to tame the tongue is not something we can do by ourselves. As James himself says, no human being can tame the tongue. So if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I've got to try harder, you've missed the point because you can't. (laughs) It's not about human effort. If, however... The Spirit of God dwells within us and we become increasingly aware of His presence and allow His presence to have His way, then He will partner with us to change our verbal outbursts to change the way we use our tongues. Have no doubt about it. God desires to completely renovate our tongues. You know what it's like to renovate a house or a kitchen or something of that description? God wants to renovate our tongues because how they are without his help apart from God, 
It's, it's not good. And God can do this. We don't need to go and get lots of quotes. We know where the source is, and we just need to submit and become aware. Our words are one of the primary ways that we as children of light, as the people of God, can bring healing to the world and to the lives of others. Our words can speak hope and healing and encouragement and life. God wants to transform our mouth, our tongues, so that what flows from them is the fruit of what is in our hearts And he desires transformed hearts that seek after him. In verses 9 to 12, James highlights the incompatible duality of the tongue. (laughs) He could choose no stronger contrast to illustrate his point than how the tongue is used for both praising God and cursing people. And right here is the heart of his concern. Praising God is the highest form of speech. There is no higher form of speech that any human being can do than to praise God. Any words that are spoken from your lips that sing praises or give praise and glory and worship to God is the absolute high point of speech. Conversely, Cursing another fellow human being who is made in the very image of the one we praise is the absolute lowest point of what we can do with our tongues. To praise God is to declare his worthiness. It is declaring his sovereignty. uh, Cursing another person, which by the way, is not casting a spell over them or swearing at them. It's, it's about denigrating a person who has been made in the image of, and likeness of God. That's what it's being referred to here. All humans are created in God's image. Whether or not they are aware of that, whether or not they acknowledge that, makes no difference to the fact that All people are created in the image and likeness of God. And we of all people who know that and have that knowledge, of all people should offer to others dignity and value. If for no other reason then that person is made in the image of God. For some people, yeah, sure, it's a very broken and shattered image. But isn't that true of all of us? Isn't that true of all of us? Jesus prohibits his disciples from cursing others. Instead, we are to bless those who curse you. Now, the way I speak does not make me a Christian. It does, however, disclose who I am. What we say and how we say it is a fundamental expression of Jesus' golden rule, to love your neighbour as yourself. In verses 10 to 12, James employs his masterful illustrating skills again by highlighting how absurd 
it would be for one thing to produce something of a completely different kind, whether it's fresh water from salt water, olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine. James highlights the inconceivable nature of a mouth one minute pouring out praises to God, the lover of souls, and then in another minute pouring out curses against our fellow human being. It just doesn't add up. And here's the crunch. Rather than attempting to make us feel guilty, I think James, frankly and honestly, contends with the reality of the human heart apart from God. A person who is not right with God and walking daily in his presence cannot consistently speak pure and helpful, life-giving words. As verse 8 reminds us, No human being can tame the tongue. This is not something we can do in our own strength. Only a renewed heart can produce consistently pure, undefiled speech. And this, my friends, brings us back to the gospel. We cannot change ourselves. We need help. We need a saviour, which is exactly why God sent Jesus. While we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us, paving the way for reconciliation to be made possible with God. We are all equally dependent on God's grace to save and transform us. By his indwelling spirit, Christ can and will change our hearts, which is what needs changing. Because as you will recall, What you say flows from what is in your heart. A spiritual heart transplant is the only remedy to renewed speech. Jesus, the divine surgeon, can begin the process of changing your heart today if you open it to him. There are no waiting lists And all surgery, no matter how major it is, all gets bulk billed to the cross. So what are you waiting for? Let Jesus renew your speech by renewing your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times we have hurt others by what we have said. Forgive us for the times when we have praised you on Sunday and then denigrated others during the week. Change our hearts. Give us your eyes to see your likeness in everyone we speak with. Help us by your spirit to tame our tongues and by doing so, honour you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.